Hello, this is Brian Bassett of Fogat, and I, you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, what's up? I'm Aaron Lewis, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. episode 418 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 418, we have hometown boy Brian Bassett of the band Foghat. Uh, Brian, who has been playing with the band, also has played with um, Molly Hatchet in the past uh, and uh, Wild Cherry, as we talk about in the interview, another uh, classic uh Pittsburgh band with uh, Play the Funky Music. Uh, so we're going to get into that interview with him. Uh, the band is going to be rolling into Pittsburgh to do a hometown show for, for Brian. On the 16th, they're going to be playing in South Park at the Amphitheater. That's a free show. Uh, you've got original drummer uh, Roger Earl. Brian, who's been with the band for 20 years now. Uh, so certainly no stranger to Foghat and uh, Charlie Yoon on vocals and rhythm guitar so great chance to see these guys and also joined by Rodney and Quinn on bass uh, as a touring member of the band so great chance to see them for free uh, in South Park yeah, so definitely want to check that out so we're going to give you a taste of what the band sounds like uh, with the current lineup if you're maybe questioning what they sound like so here's a classic fog hat uh, track with the current lineup so and then we'll get into that interview with Brian
City Rocks. We have hometown boy Brian Bassett on the line. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great, John. It's great to, to have you guys coming back into Pittsburgh. You're doing a show at the South Park Amphitheater on the 14th. Um, you've been with Foghat now. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's been about 19, 20 years at this point, hasn't it? 
It has. Uh, since 19, uh, real 99, 2000, uh, I came back and I actually spent four years playing with Lonesome Dave uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. So all told, about 24 years, which is uh, an astonishing number to me, but uh, it's gone by pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, it, um you know, it was kind of neat. And I remember, I think you had done this show with us when we were kind of in our infancy, uh, probably eight or nine years ago. And um, in kind of researching that, you, you played not only with Wild Cherry, with, you know, obviously, which I'll get to in a minute, but you played with um, Jeff Jemerson and Airborne for a period of time, correct? Absolutely, yeah. That was a great band that we had around the Pittsburgh area for quite a few years. Was there a, a point at which, you know, and I remember, you know, this was, you know, unfortunately pre-internet day. So, you know, I was, uh, you know, a young man and kind of that, you know, probably your target audience at the time when that band was together. But, you know, we didn't have the benefit of, you know, you know, the internet to be able to go to a Facebook page or even a MySpace page to show you my age to check out your band. Was there a point, you know, where it was just, you know, it became too difficult to try to make it, you know, as airborne that you, you kind of decided to move on or, or how did that decision to, to kind of walk away from that project go? We had a rather um, interesting run of years. Um, I mean, we were a very successful uh, regional band um, mm-hmm. and, you know, we uh, managed to uh, at one point sign with Charlie Brusco as management uh, and his partner, George, um, Douglas, I think, and or the George Cipollina, but they had high tides management and managed the outlaws. Um, we were, uh, you know, had done some recording and had uh, a lot of interviews with record companies. We just were never able to sign a record deal. Uh, but you know, we we played so many great places at that time, and the live music scene in in Pittsburgh in the tri-state area was phenomenal. Yeah, at that time we were working five, six nights a week and. Mancini's, the decade stage one, uh, you know, on and on, all, all the different clubs around town, and then all the colleges, and then down into you know, West Virginia, the Agora up in Cleveland. I mean, we got around quite a bit, and we were actually uh, down in Miami recording at Criteria Studios with Felix Papillardi, the famous uh, bassist from mm-hmm. Mountain and producer of Cream. We're working on our uh, tapes uh, when he. Uh, you know, tragically was shot and killed, and that sort of uh, you know derailed our uh, aspirations for recording at that point. Right. Um, so we were at a standstill there, and and Jeff and George and uh, Jack decided after some time, they all had families in Pittsburgh, and we were still camped out in Miami. They came back and really started the, the three-piece version of Airborne, you know, which they still I do. So we play somewhat again today. Gary yeah. Hum and, my, and myself stayed in uh, Florida trying to, you know, resurrect our writing and uh, yeah. recording career. We had just signed with Altar Rock, which was Felix Papillardi's company in New York, but, you know, his untimely demise sort of derailed everything. And we eventually came back to Pittsburgh ourselves and had a different, you know, version of, uh, we've had T Dice and airborne uh you know we had we're basically the same band with two different names mm-hmm. so uh jeff george and jack kept airborne and and uh gary and i had teeth tumbling nice tea dice and right so yeah it was, but it's uh there was a lot of great times and a lot of great music we really tried hard to do an original music thing i guess we were sort of like a stick style band you know sure. a lot of guitar harmonies and 
right. you know, rather long pieces, which probably did, did us a disservice trying to get a record deal. <laughs> we could yeah, use a couple more three-minute songs. Yeah, it's it's funny how you know you look at a band like Sticks. You know, you mentioned them. If they were to put out an album, let's say ten years later than they did, I don't think they would have been successful at all. And it's kind of sad because you know you listen to pieces of Aid and some of those albums. You know, with the progressiveness of their sound, you know, it worked so great in the seventies, and it's still packing them in today but had that album come out you know their debut album and and some of the subsequent albums come out in like 1987 people would have had no idea what to do with them so unfortunately it's timing is everything and and you look i look at a band like rush i mean you know very progressive and and one of my favorites and uh but um you know the unlikely it would be unlikely that they would break through now, you know, and Absolutely. it's amazing that they did then. But, I mean, it was a lot of hard work and mm-hmm. a lot of touring and just building a fan base. It's, uh, But, yeah, it's, there's so much luck and timing involved in any kind of musical success in the business. So you just be thankful for what comes your way. Yeah, it, it is everything. Time. I think of a band like King's X, a, you know, the, the band that maybe had just as great a chops as Rush, but came out at a different time and they're obviously you know King's X had a great run you know and still do and people respect the hell out sure. of them but not nearly the commercial success that Rush had um, you know, right so and, sometimes you know, and, the, and the radio play and everything else yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know which was a, a, a huge part of the uh, marketing back in the day yeah yeah, and, and you know, there's a great segue into you know uh, another project from your past with with Wild Cherry, uh, you know, which when I you know listen to your guitar playing today, you know, I was going through some of your your albums with um, Foghat and listening to your style of playing, and I listened to that you know classic riff of, and play that funky music. It's you know almost like two different guys. Um, when when you were doing that was you know was that something that you were you were into that kind of music at the time or is it uh, you know sort of a job or can you talk a little bit about where you were as a player back then? Um, sure, it was uh, you know the way I play now with Foghat and and really the way Wild Cherry was a rock band before we turned to the funk sound, mm-hmm. which was a, a you know we definitely did that on purpose um, change sure. to our sound and the lyrics to the song even though they're tongue-in-cheek funny are actually autobiographical sure to the point that we were a rock band and the, and the music scene was changing i mean the commodores were coming out the Ozzy mm-hmm. brothers casey and all that and we were still you know a club band so we um made a concerted effort to change our style so we you know we did you know i, I studied up on funk guitar and uh, you know cleaned up my sound a little bit and and we went for it, you know, with that style. I think Commodores were probably one of our main influences. Sure. And in my mind, I always liked Trapeze, if anybody remembers that band. Yeah, I can't say that's one I recall. Yeah, that was a great, uh, you know, great band, uh, you know, not totally uh, known by everybody, but um, Glenn Hughes, a great bass player, singer. And, oh, yeah. And they were, like, a, they had, like, rock guitar players, but funk beats, and that sure. was our essential thing. We wanted to play with a dance um rhythm section you know so people could funk out and dance to it and sure. then have rock and roll guitars over top of it that was a concept I but, have uh, to, but yeah I we were still you know when a song breaks out that big for you you know was, we were all astonished and yeah. very thankful and happy about it yeah i mean you you know do you go to a wedding today where you still don't hear that song i mean that's um I know. So that's what i always tell everybody hey we made the wedding circuit we're golden now you know 
Rick you know? We Are Family, play the funky music, yep. electric slide, so we're on the wedding song list. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, Rob might appreciate it, you know, I'm sure he's still getting nice royalty checks from that song. I, I often think of, you know, if I could write one song in the in the history of, of music, it would be Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves, because it's been used in so many movies and commercials, it doesn't go away, you know. So whomever mm-hmm. has, the, you know, the publishing to that song has got to be getting a nice check constantly, and that's a retirement plan. Sure, right, and it's, uh, you know, and you're right about that, Rob. You know, and, and Rob does take care of all, all that leather business, and it play that funky music is in quite a few movies as well. So mm-hmm. it's a continuing earner for all of us. Can I ask uh, one of the things about the song? You know, and maybe this goes to how songwriting is credited. Did did Rob actually write the guitar riff? You know, because in a lot of ways, the guitar riff kind of makes the song. Yeah, you know, I believe I came up with that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Rob sort of had the chord pattern, and, mm-hmm. and we, like I said, we were, you know, we were studying the songs that basically like the Commodores that would have a single line funk line you know which I played mostly even when we right. covered uh, Commodore songs you know in clubs I would play the single note line he would play the chords and you know I think I, you know he may I can't remember if he actually showed me that but we basically worked on that song together mm-hmm. in his basement uh, in his mother's basement really and um, you know and I took my role as the single note guy and him as the chord guy and we just put it together you know he had the chord structure pretty sure much. so you know whether he you know showed me you know an idea for the lick and but i mean we all sort of got together on it and yeah and uh, he had he had written most of the lyrics and had the chord progression so you know i mean he he had the writing credit on it and, sure and so you know i, I certainly would have wouldn't mind 10 or 12 percent yeah 20 percent of the song but you know he has it all and that that was fine but um, yeah I, I, I can't really recall whether he showed me that line or whether i came up with it or a combination of both but you know it probably was just the way you know he you know, he probably said you know play something like you know like the in this prometer song you know the low mm-hmm. funky you know line on the e string thing and i was like okay i probably then i probably noodled around with it against his chords so that's about as much as I remember of it, you know, other than being in his parents' basement while we worked on it. When did you get, you know, and one of the things I noticed with your playing now with Foghat, you know, and some of it's just obviously the style of Foghat's music, is your slide playing. Was slide something that you had been playing all along, or was that something, you know, as you got more with uh, Molly Hatchet and, and, you know, some of the quote-quote southern rock kind of sound, did you pick up the slide? I really started playing slide a little bit in, uh, in my years with Kingsnake Studios, where, you know, in between Wild Cherry and Airborne and all that, mm-hmm. when I moved to Florida, I, I became a session guitarist and engineer at Kingsnake Studios, which was a blues studio. Mm-hmm. So I started playing a little bit of slide as a session guitar player. And, but when I met Lowe the day that he asked me to start playing live with him, you know, it was almost like an actor saying you can ride a horse. You know, Dave's like, oh, well, you can play slide. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, play slide every day. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but then, I, you know, once I realized I was going to be playing a lot of Rod Price slide parts in Foghat songs, I really took it to um, practicing it earnestly and really dug into it. Um, and it's, you know, it's difficult. Um, you know, intonation is everything in slide, and it, you know, it took me quite a while, but, uh, you know, I, I learned from uh, Rod Price. I got to meet him, and we were friends, actually, in 1991. We toured Europe together, and we roomed together, so I sort of got a master class. Yeah. And uh, became his friend and watched him play his part up close and personal. 
for anybody who's ever you know picked up a slide quickly realizes that it might look simple but until you get muting and as you mentioned intonation and vibrato it's really easy to sound really bad with a slide yeah uh, and, and I you know what I there's so many guys, good guys out there Sonny Landreth Eric mm-hmm. Trucks and uh, Warren Haynes a great slide player and um, you know, but when we've done some shows just in the last couple months with George Thurgood, who plays a totally different yeah. style. You know, he plays the real old bluesy mm-hmm. style, but he's fantastic at it. Some people have a real natural affinity to it and play perfectly in tune, like all the time. <laughs> For me, that that was my biggest struggle was to you know you have to play with a certain amount of fluidity, but also you know hit your mark on the on the notes and. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting thing. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time now, so I love them. I know I I feel pretty confident now, but the first couple of years were a little dodgy. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's it's certainly it's it's something that that I think to a to a casual fan they might say, well, you know, he's not playing as flashy. You know, you're not playing the Ingve Malmsteen type speeds, but it, it's really hard. Uh, you know, and that's that's uh, certainly not. Yeah, and, and Rod actually, you know, the Foghat songs, he played some complicated, you know, single note lines. It wasn't mm-hmm. just. You know, open hand, you know, one big chord, like, you know, uh, Sweet Home Chicago kind of style of blue right. slide where it's, you know, all on one fret there. I mean, he played actual melodic lines, which were difficult to, you know, to play. And so, I, it was, you know, it took, you know, a lot of time and effort to get them correct. Yeah, can, you know, you're... Um you guys just it seems like yesterday but it's been a few years since you guys did the under the influence album can you talk a little bit about you know what that experience was like you know as a guitarist you know you guys did some really cool bluesy stuff on that record yeah we always um wanted to make a blues record with uh when Lonesome day was alive we talked about it for years he was a blues historian truly and had a massive record collection and mm-hmm. In fact, that's how we met. Was I had a blues band in Central Florida when we first met? That we played all this very obscure, um, Excello music, uh, southeastern swamp blues, they call it, you know, Lazy Lester and Lightning Slim. And Dave knew everything and knew all the records, knew the history of it. So it was always in our conversation. And he always would bring a case of blues records on the tour bus. And uh, after every show while we were traveling, it was almost like a radio show, Dave would, you know. All right, tonight's going to be Otis Rush night or whatever. Right. You know, he'd play all these, all these things. But we never got the chance to actually do that, although, you know, Fog had always had a couple of blues covers on most of the records. But sure. we wanted to do one dedicated entirely to the genre and, and you know, put on some covers that we were familiar with and that had been part of the Foghead catalog, as well as some of the early, you know, there's a couple Savoy Brown covers on there. Right. We recorded it at our studio in Central Florida. I have a studio set up there and, from my years of engineering, I'm sort of in charge of all that thing, all those things on uh, mm-hmm. the production side. And we just set up um, and rehearsed, and uh, you know, picked the, picked the song list and just uh, started recording it. You know, we did it over the course of a couple months, and and I mixed it, and uh, and it was cool. You know, I mean, uh, the under the influence, you know, tongue in cheek about really being influenced by styles sure. of music, not you know, substances, but you know. The uh, cover is Roger kicking in wine barrels containing 45 stuff, sure. uh, of country records and that. And Joe, I think we have a Johnny Cash uh, stuff. And we did, funny enough, our side project uh, is you know, it's called uh, Earl and the Agitators. Uh, and 
what that is is the overflow of the sessions from under the influence. We got together with Scott Holt, who was Buddy Guy's second guitarist for over ten years and is now a tremendous solo artist. But we got, we met and became friends and, and started songwriting and and recording down at our studio and we amassed a bunch of rec- uh, a bunch of tracks, so a couple of which are on under the influence. But we needed a, another vehicle to because most of the songs had Scott singing instead of our singer Charlie. Right. So that record actually grew out of the overflow from those sessions, and there's a lot of good stuff on that record. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a fun time. You know, it was a lot of songs that we liked by artists that we admired, and uh, right. we, you know, wanted to do it all in the blues um, genre. And and we, you know, we got a lot of push from uh, you know the guys at XM Radio that have the blues uh, sure. powers and stuff. So we got a yeah. lot of airplay on it. Yeah, and, and it is um, the natural style for Fog Out. I mean, they were electric blues, you know, bands and right. part of the British Invasion. Yeah, it's 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 fun to listen to some of that stuff, you know, because you you've got a nice blend of. And this is one thing I always love about the blues is, you know, blues artists cover other blues artists all the time. It isn't, you know, that isn't out of the norm, you know, in that genre. And then you guys have got some original stuff on there, you know, and it's, so it's not just a flat out covers album, um, you know, but it's it's a really nice tip of the hat to you know. You know who you guys are as musicians, which you know comes through really well when you listen to it. Oh well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that, and uh, we were really happy with the how it all came out. Now, when you guys tour now, I mean, obviously people are going to riot if you don't play "Full for the City" and "Slow Ride." Do you get to mix in some of the material, or how do you guys kind of build out a set list of aside from the absolute obvious songs? Yeah, we have, you know, five or six songs that we always play, you know, uh, Over the City, I Just Want to Make Love, Slow Ride, mm-hmm. and uh, Maybe Driving Wheel, you know, is in there. Um, we're hit, we've hit a space of time now where we're at the 40-year anniversary for most of the Fogat releases, and it's been going on for a couple of years now. Um, this year is the end of about, so we're, what we've is in the uh, preparation for the tour, we'll get a, go into rehearsals and pick a few songs from the album that happens to be celebrating an anniversary. Sure. And that's what we're doing now. So we've added those songs into the set. And over the last couple of years, we did the entire Fog At Live record in its entirety. And, yeah. and then the next year, uh, you know, Full for the City, you know, we pulled some songs off of that record. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what we've been adding to the set. And it depends on uh, how long we're allotted to play and yeah. how many we can fit in there. So. Yeah. Our, our typical show is about 90 minutes, and, um, and well, so we good, get dude. to do a couple couple deep covers and and then the the hits and uh, you know we're playing third time lucky, which we we all laugh because uh, Roger always says we don't play any stinking ballads. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nice <laughs> to be able to it, mix it in a that. Ballad and, it, and it's the highest charting fog out record, believe it or not. So that's funny. And it's, uh, so we're playing that one this year. Yeah. That's got to be fun, you know, to be able to mix in some new stuff. You know, I, you know, a lot of bands get pigeonholed into, you know, you know, Kiss is always, I think, the lightning rod for for that kind of argument, where bands, you know, basically play the same set list continually, you know, year after year after year. So it's great to, you know, for the folks who you know come out to see you, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, come and see you every time your bus pulls in the, you know, their area. To get some different stuff in the set that makes it a lot of fun for them. Exactly, I'm sure as a and, musician, we, and we actually go out of, yeah, you know, we go out of our way on our website and our Facebook page to actually 
solicit song ideas for the coming tour. And for yeah. that very reason, we know we have a lot of people that see us multiple times, and when, and even for our own uh, enjoyment, you know, we, yeah, you know, don't want to get stale. You know, I mean, maybe the last three or four songs, the way our set ends, you know, it's similar, but we kind of mix it up in the beginning of the set, and and there's a lot of great material to choose from too. So you know, we're always going through the old records and pulling out a, a, a deep track here and there. Yeah, and we ask our fans, hey, what you know, what song haven't we played in a while? You want to hear? And then, uh, yeah, so it keeps it interesting for us and for our fan base. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, I, I don't want to keep you. Um, you guys are rolling in South Park for what will be a home homecoming for you of sorts uh, on the 16th, and uh, we look forward to seeing you when you get here, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I love Pittsburgh. I've been away for years living here in Florida, but I'm a black and gold transplant, man. I'm, <laughs> you know, I keep the Steeler flag outside of my house and. Uh, and we're also, I think, uh, Matt, Matt Barranti, who's a fabulous local guitarist, is opening up for us, too. And he did me uh, a solid when I had a little bit of medical things going on uh, uh-huh. a year or two ago. He stepped in for me, and uh, so he's part of our extended Foghat family. And I'm going to think we're going to do a little jamming at the end of his set as well. So awesome. looking forward to seeing Matt and looking forward to seeing friends and family. Awesome. Well, hopefully you get in, get some home cooking, get yourself a Permani Brothers sandwich or, you know, whatever local delicacy yeah. you reminisce we're about. We're lobbying our tour manager and saying, can we get Permani's to, like, cater us? Yeah, well, there's actually... <laughs> we actually have that, that request in. You know, now that they, you know, it probably when you lived here, you know, there was one in Oakland, one in the in the Strip District. Now there's some satellites uh, branches. You know, I know there's one in uh, Pleasant Hills off 51. So, you know, not as far if you need to send a runner out to get you guys some uh, corned beef or whatever. Exactly. All right, you Brian. Know, I, I, uh, I have a lot of fond memories of the one downtown. After gigs, that was where you went. Yeah. After gigs, right, never man, before we'll gigs. Talk to you, and we'll see you there. All right, Brian, take care. All right, that about wraps up this edition of the Iron City Rocks podcast. We invite you to check out our website at ironcityrocks.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, are all forward slash Iron City Rocks, or you can hit us up at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Again, Brian Bassett, Fog Hat with Roger Earl, will be in South Park, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, just a short drive south of the city of Pittsburgh, doing a free show on the 16th of August. So get out there and check that out. You can't argue with the price of free. Uh, I know there are a million shows on August 17th. Uh, Iron Maiden, Corn uh, with Allison Chain, Zach Wilds, uh, Zach Sabbath are playing. But if you're looking for something to do the night before, you can't argue with Free and Fog Hat. Uh, two words that sound really good together. So until uh, next time, we want to thank you so much for listening. <laughs>